Hello, and welcome to Discipleship Moments with me, Reverend Katie Collins. And Reverend Cam McConnell. Over the next few weeks, we'll be offering teaser discussions to help us prepare for our fall discipleship courses at First Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, Kansas. Today, we'll be looking at what it means to be born again with Christ. I think many of us just let this idea slide because we were born in the church, and so surely Jesus isn't talking about us, but I think Nicodemus might have said the same thing. So as we read this and and we all listen, imagine yourself as Nicodemus, someone who has grown up in knowledge of God, knowledge of God's love and desires for us, and let us come with a curious heart. We begin in the third chapter of John. John 3, John 3, 1. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old, can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be, dis- do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If we had told you about earthly things and you do not believe, How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Here ends our reading. Treasure these words in your heart. Perhaps, uh, Kay, we can, maybe just to get the conversation going, we can uh, raise the question, um, which would be, have you ever had um, what you might term as a great awakening uh, when someone or some experience uh, changed your faith? Well, I've been thinking about how I would answer this question. I feel like there are many times in my life where maybe I grew further away from faith, um, further away from the church, or really struggled to look for God in my life and uh, suddenly found myself in a new place. And But the, the memory that was coming to my mind was when I was back in college and I was looking for a church home. I had visited the Presbyterian Church. Uh, I grew up in the Presbyterian Church, but I thought, you know, this is a time for me to look at other uh, churches and denominations to really see how they worship or what's the message that they carry. And, you know, found a church that had some wonderful praise music, and some of my friends went there. But uh, one Sunday, this is at Oklahoma State in Stillwater, Oklahoma. (laughs) I won't tell which churches these are. So uh, so one Sunday, the pastor was giving the message. He was preaching about Mary Magdalene, who has always been one of my superheroes. And he somehow got to talking about women and their calling to teach children and other women. 
but drew the line about um, speaking out to, uh, to men or just teaching classes for adults in general. And it struck me as feeling very excluded. At that time, I was, uh, I was teaching in a women's group in our women's sorority, but I was already feeling this call to ministry. So there was this struggle where I felt like he had something against me or was sort of casting out demons within me, like Jesus cast out demons from Mary Magdalene. I was feeling this strange um, exclusion in the church. And then uh, the next Sunday we went to another congregation and communion was passed. And it wasn't very clear if you weren't a member of the church, if you could take communion. It, It was almost set for communion for only members. And I had this horrible moment where I passed the cup and I passed the bread and I thought, this is wrong. What I, sh- I should feel like I can talk to someone about this. Here, I feel like they're excluding me, but I don't really know if they might want to welcome me. So Did, did, they, did they tell you that you could not take it if you were a non-member? How did that work? I don't know. It was not said explicitly mm-hmm. that anyone is welcome at the table. Mm-hmm. And I know in the Presbyterian Church, we say mm-hmm. that anyone who recognizes Jesus as their Savior mm-hmm. can come to the table. And and we're. it's very important to us to make sure everyone knows they're welcome. And so at that moment, I thought, you know, it's it's more about beliefs and how I read the Bible. And I wanted to commit to a group of people where... I was in relationship with them so that uh, we could, I could grow in faith. And so at that point, I went to the Presbyterian Church and became more involved, um, became a co-handbell director, uh, played with the handbells. That was sure fun. And um, really committed to a Sunday school class. And so it really, it was... So, so it, when you were in college, you were, you were going to church just about every Sunday morning for the most part. Yes, I was a goody two-shoes. I, I probably still am a goody two-shoes, but I've always been one. <laughs> but I, I felt that it was important for my faith, for my discipleship, to be faithful to God. And it was that moment where I felt like it wasn't just about being faithful to God. It was about being part of a community. So so I've talked too long now. So Cam, what about you? <laughs> when Have you ever great had awakening. a moment of great awakening? Well, I know there are great awakenings in the in the history of our country when you look oh. at uh, mm-hmm. the religious um, progress and, and the different stages of uh, awakenings in our own nation. Uh, so when I, when I hear, hear the word great awakening, I'm, I'm thinking of it in, his, in historical ways. Um, as, as far as I'm concerned, as far as my own life and my experiences, uh, you know, early on, uh, Shortly after I graduated from college, I was working as a youth director for a Presbyterian church in a, in a North Shore suburb of Chicago. And the uh, minister there, the senior minister there, was um, encouraging me to go into the ministry. And after a year of working as a non-ordained youth director in, in the congregation, um, I um, took a job. I, I was I was offered a job at my college in, in the admissions department to be a, like assistant director of missions. And so I, and that was, it had a great appeal to me too, because I liked the idea of, you know, sort of selling the school to prospective students. And so I um, uh, accepted the position from, from the Dean of Admissions, and then I went back and I told the senior minister that I was uh, taking this job so I'd no longer be a youth director and I wasn't going to go to seminary and so on and so on. 
and uh, and he was he was disappointed because uh, of what he was trying to encourage me to do all all along, and he he wanted me to stay in the staff and everything. So uh, then when I went back to my office, there I talked to a, a person who was a good friend of mine, and and uh, told told uh, that person that I had made the decision to to uh, uh, go work at my college and. And uh, the person said, you, you, don't, you don't sound very happy at all. Yeah. And I said, uh, you know what? I said, I think you're right. I'm not really happy with my decision. So kind of, it was kind of funny that hours after I had told the senior minister at this congregation that I was leaving, I went back and asked him if I had my job back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I, then I decided to go to seminary at the same time. So that, from a personal standpoint, it, was, um, it, it wasn't as if I was... Um, having a, a born again or a conversion experience, it was just it was an awakening for me to understand that this is what God was calling me to do at this particular particular time in my life, and I really wasn't listening to it because I was wanting to do what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and um, and and certainly I'm overjoyed that I made that decision. Obviously, um, I think so, we all are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that's it. you know, and great awakenings come in, in small ways too. You know, there, there's mm-hmm. so many experiences that that I've had, you've had, in, in, in our ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, just simply what people do and and how people uh, respond and how people make sacrifices and the great work that they do. I, I see great. I I, I I have awakenings a lot of different times throughout my ministry and saying. You know what motivates this person to do what he or she is doing, and how wonderful it is to watch such faith in action. Mm-hmm. And that's a motivational, very inspirational thing to me. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a great awakening, but at the same time, an awakening as to how God can move others. Mm-hmm. And this openness that Jesus can show us something new mm-hmm. that yes. we're always able to learn. When I think about. Jesus asking Nicodemus to be born again, uh, it makes me think about all of the times uh, I've ha- been in a spot where I had to fully start over from scratch, where uh, I think of myself as a very productive and educated person, and yet still we fail. And, you know, some still there are times where we have to start all over again. And so what does that make you think of, Cam? Have you ever had a time where you had to start from scratch or what what did that feel like well i think i think um i think just just moving when you relocate and when you start a new position or start a new job Mm -hmm. especially if you relocate to another part of the country you're you're sort of starting from scratch because you don't really you know know too many people and you're unfamiliar with the territory and so on and not quite sure what the expectations are from you know from the church from you know where you're working uh when i when i when i moved from, when I graduated from seminary, moved to St. Paul, Minnesota, um, I uh, was single, and I rented a house out in the country, and I, I moved at the, the very, at the coldest time of the year, early January, <laughs> and it was, you know, 25 below at night, 30 below at night, wind chill factor maybe 60, 70 below, and, um, you know, was living kind of in an isolated area, <clears throat> my car wouldn't start in the morning, I had to park it behind a barn, and leave it running all night so I could, it would be running in the morning and it would be nice and warm in the morning. So all these things uh, combined uh, made me wonder if, if I really made the right decision again. And uh, 
even to the point where I thought, you know, this is, I'm not sure if this is going to work because I was feeling lonely and so on. And then I kind of kicked myself and said, you know, this is, you, you accepted this call and, and you've, um, you, you've committed yourself to this uh, work. Uh, how unfair that would be if you just kind of backed out without really giving it a chance. So, so I you know, hung in there and, and, um, and it was, I was there for nine years. It was a great nine years. It wasn't really starting over at the same time. It was starting a new, starting a new job in another location. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. How about how about you? What what some of the experiences that you think you've had as far as everything else is concerned? Well, when I think about starting from scratch, it makes me think about when I went to the Czech Republic and living in another con- culture. I was teaching English classes with the church, and I had a lot of friends who spoke English. But in when I was in town getting resources or um, even purchasing food or uh, just being around other people, getting to know some of the older church members, I had to speak Czech or tried very hard to listen to them speaking Czech. So can, you, can you speak very much Czech right now? Moving Chesky, I know. Ah, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, I speak Czech. Sorry, I should try, I should always translate. I just assume you know what I'm saying. And uh, so, and I, I, I won't say too much more, but um, I had to learn how, to, I remember sometimes uh, they didn't have a Hobby Lobby. So I had to go to the paper store and the purse, the clerk stands behind a desk. So you ask for what you want. You can't just go pick it off a shelf. Mm, so oh, sometimes I, I had to ask them, you know, uh-huh. do you have scissors? Uh-huh. And, or do you, you know, I would like so many or this kinds of pens. So it wasn't like Walmart where you just could pull off a shelf. No. So, uh, so believe it or not, I would take the young daughter. Oh, she's um, 18 now, but she was six at the time. So, but she spoke uh, very nice English, the pastor's daughter. She would come with me. So I would tell this little six-year-old what I wanted, and then she would say it in ah, Czech. That's great. So it that's was great. it was funny uh-huh. being the person who, who really could almost couldn't do anything uh-huh. and needing a six-year-old to uh-huh. help you out. And, um, you know, and I think about there were conversations that I had with people once I could speak Czech better that, you know, I'm listening to them having this uh, intellectual discussion and I finally figure out how to say what I want to say and someone else then says it. So (laughs) it was very humbling to realize, oh, I'm not the smartest person in the world. There are other people who have really interesting things to say. Um, And uh, and so it was was humbling to learn from others. And I think... (laughs) That also helps us grow in our faith as we're, we have to take this uh, stance of learning where we're, we are coming to God, we're coming to the Bible, we're coming to meet one another and be open to learning something new, mm-hmm. to, to be awakened, mm-hmm. um, that we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Your, your experience kind of reminded me of uh, my, my daughter's experience of when she graduated from college, she went straight to the Congo and uh, she didn't know any of the language they, they speak Swahili and French there so she had uh, to not only did she then she moved to a totally different culture and a totally different way of operating and a totally different mission um, she had to learn the language and so on and, and uh, 
so I have I have great as I do for you have great admiration for her and just I basically started over in a new country you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and 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 did you know, very well so. And there were many people who helped me and uh, in that time where I was vulnerable and needed it. And uh, our final question we've been talking, we want to talk about is how can we make our church a safe space for people who are starting from the beginning? That when we think about if this is the message of the gospel, this calling to be reborn, to being open, to experience God in a new way, what can we do to to make space or uh, to welcome people into this this new beginning, which is mm -hmm. hard and embarrassing and makes us vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, it's a good question because we, cause I don't think we do enough, um, mm -hmm. uh, at least here at First Presbyterian. Um, it, you know, it starts with um, with the. Uh, uh, presupposition that, that some not everybody walking in the door on Sunday morning uh, is uh, is it knows a whole lot about about the faith about Christianity is trying to learn some more. Uh, you you really can't learn a whole lot just by you know being there on Sunday morning for service. Because you can you can you can listen to the words of the hymns, you can listen to the scriptures, and so on, listen to the sermon. But at the same time. Um, that doesn't really give you the framework of Christianity, and mm -hmm. you know, in several Sundays. So, it's I think we should be here more proactive in that, in that area. As an example, just um, uh, say we offer a class in, you know, called Christianity One Hundred and One. Um, we offer it two or three times a year for maybe four weeks at a time. And anybody can jump into it any time. Everybody's welcome to, even if you've been a member for a long time, you can jump in. But that, I think, would, would give uh, people to, the feeling that we don't presume that everybody is is a veteran Christian <laughs> and that we do have some rookies out there, so to speak. <laughs> um, and then also, can we make it a requirement that everyone has to go to Christianity 101 there you go. There as you so go. many times during the year? Yeah, it, 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 yeah, that would be that would be a, that's a good idea. And I'm not sure um, how many would uh, uh, would actually show up. But, we'll uh, but anyway, um, but another thing too is that um, yeah, even from even from the pulpit or from one of the pastors, uh, I mean, on a regular basis on Sunday morning. We could even say, you know, we, we are, if you're new to the church, if you're new here, if, you, if you've only been here once or been here several times and um, you would like um, a better understanding of the gospel and so on, then uh, talk to us after the service, you know, and say, how can I, how can I achieve a better understanding of the gospel? What, what, what uh, can you, what are you offering that would help me in my journey? Um, and and mm -hmm. be proactive that way too. Is, is we used to we used to hear um, if someone wanted to join the church. Uh, we used to extend an open invitation on Sunday morning mm -hmm. and say, um, if you want to join the church, come forward and talk to us about it, and then we'll we'll uh, guide you along the path and so on, and how you become a member, how you learn more about the Christian faith. So. Wait, yeah, yeah and I think it's worth bringing that back. I know that um, some Presbyterians are a little weary of the, quote, altar call uh -huh. right, that right. they have in other churches where sometimes there's almost this pressure to 
recommit yourself to God or to have this quote great awakening mm-hmm. as if as if it's possible to have it every single Sunday morning but at this and so so we don't have an outer altar call because we don't want to put that pressure on people mm-hmm. but how do we create that moment that if someone did have a moment in the sermon or mm-hmm. maybe it was even just hearing the scripture read from a different person mm-hmm. where they heard the scripture in the same a, a new way where they heard the message for them and they want to talk about it and sometimes we get busy or they maybe not don't know enough people they don't feel comfortable and i think it's just like you said if we're open and we initiate and we're more proactive to say if you want to have a conversation about faith mm-hmm. there are some elders here to talk to right. or will we have this coffee time set aside or um katie has office hours or cam has office hours that you can just come by and just talk about your faith. Yeah, just a, just a simple, just encouragement for conversation with with, with someone. And uh, mm-hmm. again, if you're, uh, you know, like an example here, if, if one of us were to <clears throat> be up front, stay up front, one of us would be in the back and say that if you would like to uh, talk to one of the pastors after the service about about your your faith journey and and uh, how you be, can become more involved in this congregation and so on. Uh, you know, Reverend Collins is up here. I'm back here, and uh, please talk to us. And we—that's we, the most most important thing that we can do is to mm-hmm. have that conversation. Uh, so, yeah, it would be beautiful, and we'll make uh, movements towards that. And hopefully, some of you can feel comfortable to talk with us about this podcast. Uh, any of the ways that the Spirit is already starting to move in you and uh, call you towards uh, this radical journey of discipleship. So we thank you for joining us here today. Thank you, Cam, for offering your time. Enjoy it very much. Me too. These are really fun. So join us next time for Discipleship Moments as we continue our journey of faith.